Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Today, I am joined by, uh, currently between jobs, uh, freelancer, soon not to be freelancer, uh, not sure. Ian, uh, Ian Boudreau, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. And we are also joined by Kotaku's strategy games and World War II correspondent, Luke Plunkett. Thanks for having me back, guys. Always a pleasure. And we are gathered together because uh, we were all on review duty for Relic's Company of, Company of Heroes 3, uh, which has been extensively previewed. We've had a few interviews about it on this show. And now we've finally been able to play the uh, full release version and we all filed reviews. So let's dig into it. I think everyone who, who has been listening to the show knows that it has a dynamic campaign that's sort of inspired by Total War. It's moving uh, the setting to the Italian front. We'll talk about how these things impact just the, the feel. But uh, I would say we had one of the features we were most excited about. And one of the things that seemed the most interesting about this game was in fact, the dynamic campaign and gentlemen, it seems like universally the sentiment is this is a bad whiff. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's not what I was hoping. That's for sure. It, it uh, you mentioned total war. Um, it, <laughs> it is not as dynamic a campaign as total war maybe has ever offered. Um, there's, there's a lot of space. Uh, I don't know that it works for the scale of what company of heroes is all about. Um, doesn't feel like there's a whole lot happening. Certainly not on the German side. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think? It felt to me like, I wanted to just put that that part in my review, just the the Mr. Bean meme, him looking over the guy's shoulder in the exam copying. And it's like they've wanted to copy Total War's strategic overlay, but in doing so, it's like they've only just looked at some screenshots. They've never actually used it or, or known what makes them so successful or appealing or, or good. It's like, okay, you need to have this bird's eye view of a map. All right, you need to move units around on the map. All right, got it. But the Company of Heroes 3 version is kind of missing all of the nuts and bolts and notifications and information and, and anything that actually makes it a functional system that brings something to the game. Like it looks nice, but it just there's not a single aspect of it that actually works in any way that it's supposed to. Well, parts of it look nice. Like I think the map looks very pretty. I think the uh you know, the little miniature Italian peninsula and the topography and the lighting playing across it. All that looks nice. One thing I will say is that I was kind of shocked by, one, how much this felt pretty much like what we played when they were doing the alpha preview demos uh, to let us see what this game would be looking like. And there were a lot of there were a lot of things in there that I assumed were going to be, um, you know, placeholder. They were temporary, that they were unfinished. And in fact, uh, they are pretty much as they were in this in this version and in many ways like the the interface the 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 information the game gives you the way it presents information all of that feels still like kind of placeholder and i think that the the feeling of it being kind of unfinished unpolished i think extends pretty much throughout every aspect of this it's like uh you know i hate to put it this way but it's it's very like minimum viable dynamic campaign yeah, so I, I thought it was really funny because I seem to be alone amongst most of the people who reviewed this, and I didn't, I hadn't played the game previously. Like, we've got a bit of a policy where we don't sort of do much of that sort of pre-release stuff anymore, and so 
this is the first time I'd ever played any aspect of the game. And so it was like even it was an even bigger shock to me because at least you guys had played it before in this kind of like you said, that probably sums it up the best calling it an alpha state build. It was it was wild to me that like I'm playing the final build of the game and it feels like I'm now playing the alpha that everyone else played months ago. I was like, surely this isn't the stage this is at shipping in a finished product. Like it, I don't want to sound rude, and I tried to sort of tone this down a bit in my review. But like coming into it cold like that, it it really does like shock me that it released like this because <laughs> like it just does not work. There's, I mean, and there are things that kind of uh, feel very alpha in terms of just just little details in the UI UX, like uh, there's this like low res icons that you know you, when you unlock skills and things like that. Then like some of the just menu box interface stuff feels janky and weird it, just, it looks slapped it looks up bad yeah. yeah it looks it looks very mocked up but it's um, like the, there are like the, the yeah go ahead no no sorry you finish i'll i'll probably uh, well, run straight off you <laughs> i mean i guess what i was going to get into was like there are some like kind of deeper conceptual issues though too that that are that were troubling to me that the idea that uh man where to start with this but the like the germans don't do anything um really <laughs> they they uh like you know you, you occupy you kind of run around occupying towns and provinces and painting the map much like you would in a total war game but there's no and there are german companies uh that you'll encounter in the uh and over the course of the map but they don't they don't try to take any of that territory back um but on the uh, more on the concept level uh you know, there's because this is Company of Heroes, and you're you're stringing together a bunch of you know real time battles where everybody kind of starts with the same uh, beginning conditions rather than moving stacks of actual of, of units that are tracked around. Uh, you can just kind of weather attack after attack after attack with no cost. If you're you know these are pretty you know once you get the hang of uh, the skirmish battles, it's not hard to beat the AI on normal. And there's so th- there's no way to for the Germans to wear you down um, enough to the point where, you know, you're going to lose a position. It, so like beyond it kind of looking a little rough and, and, and stuff like it seems like at the concept level, some of this stuff wasn't thought through at all. Yeah. Let's so for people who have not played it yet, um, where this, where the, where the campaign opens is, with the landings uh, in Salerno, which sort of kicked off the the main part of the Italian campaign after the uh, conquest of Sicily, what happened further south uh, didn't really like that was not a very uh, action packed part of the campaign. So it opens on on the Salerno landings, but in lieu of like you know where the history is the story of like various uh, army corps and divisions moving through uh, the the mountain passes of Italy and such. What we have here, because it's a company of heroes game, are you know of course companies uh that's that's what you are pushing around and to start you off uh so the, the the entire campaign is structured like a little bit of um in terms of the resources you're using in terms of like the the vocabulary the campaign uses it is a company of heroes game writ large there's there's villages you conquer that have a little ammo icon for ammo control points there are uh, towns you unlock that have the little gasoline icon for 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 more fuel and 
you know, ostensibly these resources will be used to call in uh, fresh forces, will be used to uh, call down like uh, map abilities. For instance, if you have a, you, you know, when this campaign starts, you have a, a battleship floating off the coast to provide fire support and you can have that target uh, targets on the map. So, for instance, there's German anti-tank emplacement. You can have your uh, battleship bombard that and eliminate it for the price of I think it's like 150 munitions. And so that's sort of the the conception there. And yes, as you as you pointed out, uh, Ian, you you're you're definitely like painting the map uh, as you would in a total war game. But the thing that really leaps out first is that just like again in a game of company of heroes you are uh, population cap limited and when the game starts you have a very low limit for your uh, total population and companies uh, of which you can choose several you can choose uh, indian artillery commandos paratroopers uh, a bit later in the game you get access to british armored support companies and uh like american armored assault companies and each of those has a different like it's slightly different take on the faction has a slightly different flavor, but uh, companies are kind of the most expensive thing on the, on the menu as far as population goes. And so I found like in, in no time at all, it kind of maxed out uh, what I could bring onto the field, which meant that other things you can buy that operate on the strategic map, like aircraft, uh, you can build artillery emplacements to again, do that sort of long range shelling, uh, there, there's no point in doing that because I didn't have the population cap for it. These things require population to to use. And it felt very early on like the the wisest thing you can do is just hoard everything you can for for companies uh, so you can continue unlocking map objectives. Uh, but yeah, to your to your point, like it's certainly there are German companies stationed in the various towns. Uh, it certainly looks like you know, as you advance, you are leaving, you have to leave places vulnerable and undefended. But I never saw like German forces do anything. The only counterattack on a settlement was a scripted counterattack at Salerno uh, that you have to fend off, I think, in like the first two or three turns. Beyond that, uh, you know, I would say for the first half of the campaign, the Germans didn't take any offensive action at all. They didn't do anything. They flew little uh, recon planes everywhere. Uh, kind of annoying to watch those animations trigger and just sit there and kind of do nothing. Uh, but once I had cracked the um, Volturno line and began advancing further north, at that point, I started seeing German companies that were not like garrisoning towns. Those companies would show up. And kind of, kind of like swarm uh, my my leading companies, and as you alluded to, like ostensibly combat like deducts strength from your companies. So again, like you know, think of think of companies on the strategic map of it the way like armies function in a total war game, where like as you know they can get, they can engage in multiple battles a turn, but their losses won't be replenished. They will lose strength uh, over the course of a turn, but they didn't seem to find an interesting way of having that impact the battle. Cause when these battles do happen, you, you switch to a tactical, you switch to the RTS game and usually you're playing some sort of skirmish. Uh, sometimes you are doing a mission where you have to defend a control point or you have to reduce German control points. Uh, but for the most part, they're little, they're little skirmish games. And, you know, 
if you've been wondering, well, what does it mean to bring like a weak company uh, onto the battlefield? Like, how does that how does that manifest in the RTS game? My feeling right now is it kind of doesn't. It feels like uh, when I had a big advantage, maybe I got some better starting resources. I would I would start the map with like more points under my control, a few more forces out on the map. And when I was under strength, I wouldn't get that stuff. And it felt like the um, the Germans were maybe getting like massive economic bonuses. Uh, because I had one battle where like I was on a sliver of health up against like a full strength German armor unit. And that thing was a nightmare because it just felt like I had to kill that entire German army. Like at every single control point on the map, it took me forever. But what you don't get is a sense of I'm depleted and I don't have full access to my menu, to my menu of like powers that just doesn't come through. And so regardless of what the context is, every skirmish kind of feels the same. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you've played one, you pretty much know how to play the, the, uh, the rest of them. I mean, there's no sense of there being really a threat. So it kind of, I don't know, like between that and the fact that there's no uh, territorial aggression by the the German forces, at at least as as far as I was able to see ever. um, Yeah. That, that like there's, it doesn't feel very much like strategy. Luke, you're sort of on record as it's shit, but you don't care. <laughs> to be let's let's be clear, it's so shit that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think we've just explained the reason that is. I think we've just we've just discussed how little the strategic side of the game has to do with the tactical engagements. Um like at a conceptual level, there's just no impact between the two my final thoughts as i was sort of finishing up the campaign were that i was sort of relieved and glad that the strategic campaign was so bad because i was enjoying the real-time battles so much that it they weren't being affected by the strategic thing being so bad i think of the strategic layer of the game with the dynamic campaign aspects had integrated more even slightly more had affected things like my, you know, my starting strength, my, you know, had, had a bigger impact on like, if let's say if I had a half strength unit on the field in the strategic map, if that then translated to, you know, a, a far more perilous position in the tactical map, but the rest of the strategic game was still terrible and broken. I think the whole thing would have fallen down, but I think the strategic level being so th- in it's so watery you know there's there's so little substance to it that enjoying the rts battles as much as i did meant they were unaffected by it and so i could just go ahead with playing those rts battles um i specifically sort of call out total war in in this part of my review where i'm a chronic auto resolver in total war like i I will i will skip probably six to eight out of ten battles just because over the the length of a campaign I, i just start to get bored of them these little sort of skirmishes, how, you know, one might be getting control points, one might be defending a position, one might be capturing two territories adjacent to their base. They were sort of throwing them at me with enough variety on enough sort of new or different or, or, or rejigged maps that I just found myself playing every single one of them. Um, and that just sort of highlighted to me how as broken as the dynamic campaign is, sort of core company of heroes gameplay here is so good that it can somehow survive that. 
Like the tactical experience was just so solid, even on even on its weakest points. Like I'll, 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 I'll you know, I don't know if you wanted to get into the tactical side of things now, but the, the RTS battles, some of them, yes, some of them were too easy, some of them got a bit repetitive. But I don't know. I just found that I had enough variety of units under my command that you know, if I had an Indian artillery unit and then a U.S. armored unit and then a special forces unit engaging in a in a skirmish battle every turn, it was providing me a sort of enough of a fresh and interesting challenge using their abilities, using those units in those different circumstances that, yeah, I was like, all right, the strategic thing's bad here, but it's not impacting my favorite part of the game that I think is really cool. So I can actually sort of almost ignore it. No, I'm with you. Like there's, there's an element of like, even a bad version of company of heroes is still company of heroes. And I played through a lot of these battles myself. I, I only would start auto resolving sometimes when it was like, um, you know, in, in one case, like I had one parachute infantry unit, uh, getting attacked like three times in a turn, and by the third one, I was like, I no, I'm just gonna resolve this because like they've they've wrecked house, and I just want to move on. Uh, but the I but the thing is, I like something that disappointed me was I found that with some of the I would say across the board, it felt like um. The AI in the campaign, I'm talking about the campaign layer, I'm talking about like the battles that was generated, seemed weaker than its like uh equivalent difficulty level, maybe on uh like if you're playing a, a skirmish mode. Uh but in particular, whenever it was a game mode that was a little bit uh a little bit of a twist on the formula, like territory control, just just stack up, could you control more of the map? uh than than the other side and therefore you would start reducing the enemy like ticket counter uh the a like the ai opponent the cpu opponent could not do that it could not play the objectives and so a lot of those battles were were pretty much like me just steamrolling them because like the 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 ai just wasn't playing the right objectives for the mode and so uh some of those things were some of those things really really fizzled. Um, on the other hand, like I I had a ridiculous one where uh, you know as I alluded to, it was to basically hem in. Uh, th- this is an objective they return to a lot. You have to control all the territories adjacent to the HQ, um, and that one can be a little tough because you know you know company of heroes like the territories closest to the enemy HQ are the hardest to reinforce the furthest away from like your production buildings. And meanwhile, like an enemy that's sort of been driven back and is on their last legs tends to, uh, there's, there's always a little bit bounce back in, uh, in company of heroes. And it feels like that's intensified here. So as you corner them, uh, they can sort of actually become more, more of a hassle to deal with. And I basically had to create like a world war one trench line, uh, to, to keep those things back. Uh, just like you know, foxholes and and mortar mortar pits everywhere. Uh, to to fully to fully box them in. But as the game went on, like once I, because uh, you know, as you progress, your companies get better. Uh, they they gain experience, so they start unlocking more units. They unlock special abilities, uh, special bonuses that they'll take with them into uh combat. By the mid game. You know, I never lost a company, right? So, like, they only ever got stronger, uh, and, that, and I think that's part of it. Is like this, this game, like it feels like this game is set up with all the all those resources we mentioned. Like, 
it seems like it intends for you to bur- be burning through your your resources, right? To be like blowing through ammo and fuel, doing various abilities, and maybe replacing companies and having to bring new ones out or pull the pull your best ones out of the fire. And that just never happens. Uh, so instead, what I started to get by the middle of the campaign was the most unbalanced. Uh, just across the board, kick-ass companies uh, that you could you could imagine in this game. Just like units with no weaknesses, right? Like, it, yeah, it's a parachute. It's a it's a paratrooper regiment, and they got tanks, good ones. Yeah, oh, and, and the, the, right. I, I had uh, unit, companies of uh, parachute infantry just wiping the floor with German mechanized uh, companies all the time. I mean, part of that is because you can just repair or heal any unit, any time for yeah. not that much in terms of resource cost. Um, you don't have to return to a depot or a, you know, a, a, a base or air airfield or anything to do that. You can just kind of do field repairs or magically heal your dudes um, on the, on the campaign map at any time. So um, yeah, not, not a whole lot of consequence to just, you know, running deep into enemy territory and picking up as many skill points as you can. But the the other thing that they're sort of splicing into the campaign is like, yes, you got a lot of these. Um, sometimes you go to a, you take a town and you get one of the skirmish battles. Uh, other times, you know, you will uh, you, you'll you'll play the skirmish battles in the open field. But sometimes there are certain places that have like the little flag on them that that a mission is waiting for you there. Yeah. And uh so that is where you get the more traditional like company of heroes, like mission structure uh, instead of like a twist on the skirmish. And those, some of those were incredible. Uh, all of those I had a blast with. I think yeah, those I are think some I, of the best. Yeah. I can't think of a bad one. I can think of less amazing ones, but I, uh, maybe the final mission it was, it was a little sloppy, but yeah, some of those like Monte Casino, um, at Monte Casino rules Anzio where you take oh, yeah, Anzio big, yeah. with Anzio the big railway gun. Like, that was the yeah, mission like game. yeah. Just the, the the map design, the the sort of multi the, the multi stage yeah. narrative there's that unfolds through each it. one yeah. of those missions yeah. that like it there's there's a storyline, there's an introduction, there's this kind of middle, you know, uh like a progression through a second act and a final conclusion. It, just all within one RTS uh mission. It's they're great. Yeah, I um, God, I loved Anzio so much because this to me was the the best mission in the game because it's a series of like time limited objectives and also on one map you end up with God what feels like four or five different battlefields you fight over like you start with the you're defending your landing zone and then to push out of the landing zone you're pushing into like street fighting. And then throughout all this, you got a rail, r- railway gun like blasting your headquarters that is your ultimate objective. You also have a nearby hill that is uh, like, you know, I guess they're saying it's doing spotting or it's also putting some artillery down. But whatever, it's the, the main point is your next objective. But also in the backdrop of this, there's an AI allied landing uh, like unfolding in these like dunes. Uh, you know, on the left side of the map and they need to be rescued because uh, they're getting obliterated. And that mission was just incredible. Like the defense of the beachhead 
was surprisingly tough uh, for for an opening act. I was kind of shocked at how uh, like I was pretty much overrun. Uh, it was it was only the fact that I could keep like bringing in new units uh, that finally enabled me to to kill off the, the German tanks. But like just taking the hill, uh, you know, it is so stoutly defended with machine gun nests and like uh, indirect and direct fire guns that, you know, you start moving up the hill and whatever your army composition, it will all get carved up. And so you have to find a different way to like get in there. And and for me, it was, it, it was very, it was definitely like, I have never used smoke as extensively as I had in a, yeah. in a company of heroes yep. as I have throughout this game. Yep. But like it hit a point where I didn't do anything without setting a smoke screen because it was just, it was too deadly. Yeah, I think yeah, this those game, overlapping machine gun fields of fire and the mortars landing, and it's all this steep approach where there's maybe two entrances. I think, um, where, yeah, it, that was tough. But smoke's the <laughs> smoke was the, the answer I found for that for that too. Yeah, I think most of this game's major sort of storyline missions do that do this incredible thing where they sort of realize the best moments of Company of Heroes are always the moments where it's not. You know, every Company of Heroes battle is is like a little puzzle it's like you have to look at the terrain you have to look at what the enemy has you have to look at what you have and work out the best way to flank them or suppress them or, or whatever and sometimes it's tanks sometimes it's infantry sometimes it's a combination whatever i think what company of heroes 3 does well and especially so in these sort of showpiece storyline missions is create these instances where those puzzles become so incredibly intricate that it just blows anything else the series has done previously out of the water where the, the hills we were just talking about or the, the town centers in some of the early missions or the, uh, as you start to work your way up, up the actual mountain in Monte Cassino, the way that they, you'll, you'll come across a town square and there'll be a sniper and there'll be an anti-tank gun and there'll be an MG nest and there'll be a recon vehicle yeah. and there'll be two infantry squads occupying buildings. Like there is no... You can't tank rush or infantry rush or, or anything. They, these missions require you to, like, they push you to your absolute limit on how to plan each assault, how to craft your force, how to time everything. But like, I found myself using the tactical pause button um, way more often than I thought I would be, just in terms of having to line up, like, okay, this infantry, these paratroopers have to flank this MG nest while I call in this bombardment, and then the tank has to go around the left, like, this. This incredible, I got this, I got such an incredible sense of satisfaction from every single one of these tiny little engagements at a place like Anzio, especially where it's like, all right, these bunkers on the hill have to be taken out in a completely different way to holding the bridge earlier in the town or have to be assaulted in a completely different way to storming the beaches on the top left of the map. Um, and just that variety and constant sense of challenge and achievement in this game in those main storyline missions, I thought is just absolutely out of this world there is this kind of like mountain climbing sense where you've got to just you know it feels like such you know fiercely held and tenuously held progress that you have to maintain uh, just to keep a handhold where you've um, managed to uh, get to yeah um, like so to, go, to, go, to go back to that yeah. anzio mission we were talking about the the hills that you have to capture which when you get there are, are defended by a bunch of overlapping bunkers with artillery support it took me like three tries to actually get there um because i'd take it i'd I'd send like 
20 men up the hill and I'd take it, but only three would have survived. And then the Germans would counterattack and then I'd have to take it back and it would just seesaw to and to and fro all the time. It wasn't just this simple matter of me checking a box on the objective list and then moving on to the next one. It was like, man, I have to really concentrate on this and and then worry about not just taking these bunkers, but actually being able to reinforce and hold them, um, which, yeah, oh man, it's so good. Well, I found and- that I was always uh, cycling guys uh, away from the front and, you know, with fresh troops to come in. I tried to keep like a, uh, you know, a, a pretty um, brisk pay, uh, clip of, uh, of um, basically what you can do is like when, when a, uh, a unit, a squad gets, uh, you know, in trouble, whether they're being pinned down by uh, machine gun fire or they, they've taken a lot of losses, you can. Uh, select them and hit R and they'll run back to a reinforcement point. So I was trying to use that as much as I possibly could and then cycle fresh guys up. So um, that usually worked, but I mean, that kept me really busy throughout every, every one of the missions. Yeah. The, um, well, especially, so most of the, the reinforcement vehicles, the medical vehicles, those are not rally points, right? Your troops don't retreat to those, correct? I don't think so. Yeah, because I had to micro troops back there, right? Where it's like you have to. Sorry, I need you guys to leave the firing line, go over to the um, medical half track, and go heal up. But if I hit retreat, they would go running all the way back to HQ, um, which seemed like a, a sort of way to maybe balance out uh, the the fact that every faction has access to these like sort of these these medical positions. But um, like talking about the Hill and Anzio, so my solution to that was um. The hill's not accessible to tanks at first, but if your engineers throw a satchel charge and blow up the, um, you know, the, the, those like steel cross pieces that, you know, we all know from D Day. Oh, those tank shit. traps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you use like satchel charges to blow those, tanks can just run up the hill. And as long as you take out the AT gun that's covering the approach, the tank can run up and now you are behind their defensive line and the tables completely turn. Uh, and you get an entirely different, like chaotic, like the first time I did it, it was this chaotic slog of setting smoke screens, dropping artillery and like having infantry sort of crawl forward. Second time I did it, it was uh, blow the position open, basically with satchel charges, run light armor up there, uh, have infantry follow. And then it just turned into a brawl uh, at the top of the hill uh, with like trying to hunt down their mortars uh, before they could blow the infantry off it. Uh, it was it was terrific stuff, and I, and I found throughout the game that like I have never used, you know, engineers have always had satchel charge abilities in these games. I've never found the need to use them nearly as much as in this game, where I'm like, oh no, I've got a smoke screen out. I need to like I can see the sandbag and and barbed wire walls that are all over this place. Uh, I need to I need to get that stuff gone or that building is is bad yeah. news. It just needs to disappear. And so I was constantly doing things like, um, you know, before I can even get like in those town squares, right before I can even push the town square. Sorry, we got to do some uh, renovations on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They made such a huge deal about the, the breach and clear system. Like that was sort of yeah. the centerpiece of the first time where it's like, no, I think what we're actually going to do is use engineers and just blow up every house in this town because <laughs> that's like, that's a far more effective option than like waiting for infantry to clear a building and then having them occupy the building. And then I don't actually want the building. I just wanted them out of the building. So now I have to get my guys 
out of the building. It's like, no, we're just going to throw a satchel charge through the window and we're just going to rely on the Marshall Plan to do the rest in the post-war period. <laughs> oh, th- this is the, like, like uh, the the Allies developed a reputation throughout the war of just, like, obliterating everything in their path uh, over the course of their advance, right? They would do it in Italy. They did it in uh, Nor- Normandy, uh, where, like, just run to trouble. It's like, well, what do we got a lot of? Bombers, artillery, that stuff is is limitless. Uh, so we're just gonna we're just gonna do it, and this is a hundred percent like that game where I was. There were few problems I encountered uh, that I did not feel were best resolved uh, with the application of like satchel charges, battleship salvos, and uh, you know B twenty five runs. It was just yeah. it was it was constant, uh, and even then. Even then, you still needed to crack these positions because, like, those things can do a lot. But you, like, they're they're such expensive abilities that is really spectacular when you do like, you know, do the fire everything uh, thing in in Company of Heroes three. Like, it is incredible when you have like the artillery you can produce, like the heavy mortars and the like, bishop self propelled gun when that stuff is going, and then on top of that, you have bombs raining down from from mitchell's and you have uh like a battleship firing that stuff's incredible that will also blow through your entire munition stockpile that stuff is capped you don't just accumulate it infinitely uh throughout the game so like when you do those things and you just say i'm gonna bust this position with nothing but high explosives that's great but you won't be able to bust the next one that way uh, or you won't be able to defend it using yeah. these uh, area denial tactics. At that point, you're going to have to hold it with what you got. It's, it's spectacular to look at on screen, too. They're just, I mean, it's smoke and dirt coming up from just geysers of screen clearing artillery. It really it does a good job. The, I'd the, say the of, Monte Casino mission, scale. when you yeah. lower the camera and you look up at that monastery, on the hill oh, so in the distance. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that in an RTS. It was unreal. No. It was it was funny. It was more like Dawn of War than, than yes. Company of Heroes. Yes. Like, you think I wonder if Relic are like making a little nod to that or something. But that's what makes that mission so funny is so when you're playing the campaign, there's a few instances in the dynamic campaign where you're given the choice to kind of rewrite history. And, you know, you can make decisions or, or get to places fast enough that you can sort of change events. And one of those is Monte Cassino. And you, you get told, hey, look, we're sending in the bombers. We're going to turn this place to dust unless you get there fast enough that you can take the monastery before that happens. And you go, oh, yes, great. You know, I'm going to save this cultural relic, this, this architectural marvel. I'm going to race my troops up there. And you get up there. And A, when you get there, it is half demolished already. And B, yeah. to complete the mission, you end up absolutely like turning it to dust yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's like, man, what was the what was the point of this? But yes, I'm sending I'm battleship rounds. I'm bringing my own artillery. I'm calling in artillery. I'm calling in B25s. Like this place is. It's got to be the same mission whether you get there, get there in time, right? Because like you get there and it's ruined, as it was yeah. historically, right? Like that the Abbey got bombed, uh, like to to pieces. Um, so like, I didn't, well, it's, I, it's, it was still standing for me. Like it was still, yeah, you could recognize it, I, but I mean like half yeah. of it's kind of carved Yeah, no, it was for yeah. me too. It was, it was like, yeah. like yeah. the left side of it was like cracked open and caved in. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's what it looked like for me. I got credit for saving it. Yeah, see me they, too. They said, hey, good job. <laughs> well, you, you saved the monastery. Good I, thing. I mean, well, the, guess, well, but- while the camera pans across this monastery that is just completely destroyed, it's like, great job. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. No it's still problem, good. Guys. It's only a little pulverized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you can still get some monks in there. It's good. Yeah. It's, no uh, but you're, but you're right. Like it does feel, especially in some of those. Uh, so the way the Anzo mission culminates, I could never, I never managed to save the, uh, the British landing uh, in, in time. I was like, if, because keeping the Germans bottled up in their base was always taking resources. Uh, so like I was defending their perimeter basically to keep them under siege. And then I would just always just be just a couple minutes too slow uh, trying to rescue the, uh, the, British uh, landing party at the beach. But when you storm the, the railway uh, station that they've got their artillery piece set up and you're clearing the town. And this is where it really reminds me of, of Dawn of war. When I think of Dawn of war, especially Dawn of war one, I think of a lot of like really thorny objectives where like you would just need to go in there and just absorb incredible amounts of punishment and just like wait it out uh, while you like sort of churned forward. In the meantime, you're, you're hitting whatever you got. And there's a lot of places where that's how this game feels as well, where it's like, you know, you, the, it's completely apocalyptic uh, when you, when you get to the final objective, but the way that that is set up is, um, and God, I, I needed to be better about lowering the camera angle so that I could see the elevation because there are a lot of hills on these maps that are just steep enough that your guns can't traverse high enough to like hit enemies that are in line of sight. Yeah, and, that happened to me a lot. And so this entire, it's hard to see from like the top down perspective, but like this entire railway station is up on a slope and the main part of it is like completely shielded. And so you're effectively assaulting a fortress that does not look like a fortress, but like it is covered from every, from every angle. And once you breach the top, you realize there's an entire like scary base full of dudes back there as well. Uh, and so like that was another surprising thing is how often elevation was playing a, elevation and like ballistic physics were playing a huge role in this game that was like easy to underestimate if you're like just using the regular the, the regular camera angle well that was tanks as well there's so, so many maps skirmish maps and storyline maps where you get those um it's almost like they're cut and pasted but you get this little sort of village design where there's a there's a relatively flat surrounding countryside and then there's a village a studio village that's elevated it's got a little fortress wall it's got a yeah. couple of staircases leading into it and it's high enough that your tanks can't fire on the town square or the buildings inside it so you can't just it's designed perfectly so that you can't just spam it by parking a couple of tanks on the edge of the village and demolishing each house bit by bit it's too high for the tanks and it's obviously perfectly designed for that it's it's you know it's one millimeter yeah. higher than it needs to be and so you either have to send the tanks in to the middle of the square, undefended, they're dead. Or you have to do what they've intended you to do and actually have to pick apart this village with infantry and artillery and you know whatever support as well. Um, well I like that the uh, that this doesn't stop the tanks from firing. They still do attempt to shoot um, even when endlessly they, they, into the yeah, <laughs> third to the way up, just third to the way the up, this, up yeah. the wall. Yep, every time. Yep, thanks, guys. <laughs>
your guys will really just like spray fire ineffectively forever. You got to really pay attention to like, um, you'll see a commando squad just looking like they are laying waste to some enemy infantry behind a wall. And it's like, they just don't have the angle. They're doing, they're doing nothing and they'll just, they'll just keep blazing away uh, for, forever. Yeah. You, you really got to pay attention to when you see, you know, just sort of firing ineffectually. Uh, Cause that's usually a sign that there's just something wrong with the line of sight and your guys are not going to, not going to move out. Um, but yeah, like it's, these set pieces, like yeah, like Anzio is terrific. Uh, the one other mission that jumped out at me, and I don't think I, I feel like I haven't seen its like in the multiplayer rotation, though I haven't played some of the bigger maps. Maybe it's one of these. There is a pretty dense city that's like completely terraced. Like the entire, the entire map in the story mission, it's like you were climbing a layer cake of dense Italian like urban environments. And there is a path that is basically just wide enough for light armor to go through, but like they can't turn, they can't maneuver. uh, And they sort of like jam up the street if they go up there. And then there's another approach toward a church. That's like a little more accessible, but even that is, is still pretty steep, but like it is so twisty and turny and like the town is so tall and narrow that I was like struggling to in kind of a good way to like, try to actually like see what was going on in the street fighting because it was just like one blind corner after another where you just like, you know, street looks empty, turn the corner. Oh, it's a machine gun nest. All hell breaks loose. Uh, armor, you know, rolls three inches too far in an intersection. Boom, gone, uh, taken in the side by a barrage of, uh, like bazooka fire. And like, never saw anything like that in previous uh company of heroes like the the character of these maps the what they are doing with like map geometry uh and elevation is you know really different from what we've seen before this doesn't look like this doesn't look like a revolutionary company of heroes but some of the map design you know is really far off from anything we've done in the series to date. For sure. That's, that's what I say in my review. The, the, smart, the, the best thing about the game, the, the single smartest decision they made, had nothing to do with the systems of the game itself. It was just when they picked Italy as yeah. focus. Because the, the terrain and the nature of the conflict there is just the absolute most perfect match for the way Company of Heroes work. As a, as a slow-paced game that encourages combined arms, that encourages you to move house by house methodically, um, that is all about elevated terrain and cover and line of sight, like I don't think you could pick a better theatre than Italy for the systems that were already in Company of Heroes. Like they haven't reinvented the wheel here as far as how the game actually works. All they've done is sort of move it to a place where by default almost that those systems are allowed to shine in a way that they, you know, weren't even able to do in the first game, a game that was specifically designed to be yeah. played in Normandy. Um, it's now even better here because of the density, the elevation, the cover, um, everything here just makes, just brings out the best in the game and how I think it's always been meant to have been played. And you get everything that you would have wanted in a Normandy game here, like from beach yep. landings to the, like we've talked about the, the urban fighting and these kind of old 
windy, twisty, uh, uh, old world towns. So yeah, this it's for, as far as that goes. Yeah, this is as good as uh, Company of Heroes has ever been. I think. Uh, I think that extends to you know the multiplayer maps. For one thing, I mean you're you're playing on a bunch of these uh, in the campaign. They're just for structure for narrative purposes, but. Even the multiplayer maps, they they have um God, and I think we talked about this when when I interviewed uh like their their map designer, but he, he was talking about like wanting to create little moments of story or like drama. And I think that does extend to like the skirmish maps where there are spaces that lend themselves to one type of battle and not another. And I'm this is something I mentioned in my review, which is that like there are a lot of maps where I feel like if I'm like, I'm going to really hold, uh, you mentioned that sort of studio Ghibli ask the, the village on the hilltop overlooking the vineyards. If you hold the village, you, the easiest way to do that is invest in a lot of good inventory, uh, some like fixed position guns. You can really lock down the town square and it becomes, it's, it's a citadel. You can, you can really like lock that down, but it's a fairly like it's it's a control point dense portion of the map, but it is also fairly isolated on one one end of the map. And so you're not going to be like doing a lot to support your efforts out in the fields uh, where the other where the other fighting is going to take place. And the way that that map has tended to unfold is that like. Someone's going to get control of the town someone's going to get a little bit better control of, of, of the fields. Uh, and, you know, what starts as a 50-50 split, split sometimes turns into a, now someone's completely in control of the town, someone's completely given up on the fields. At that point, it's like, okay, now how, do, how does each side get off its army build to go and win this match? Uh, which is a really cool thing. Like, the, the this feeling of, well, if you're fighting in the in the town square, it's this, it, it has this really distinctive identity in terms of like how that fight unfolds and what tactics work there. And then if you descend the hill and you're fighting out in the vineyards, uh, that is also a different experience and effectively a different a different tactics game that requires different uh, a different unit mix. Yeah, uh, and and gosh, I I do like this. This comes through in. Um, a couple of the campaign missions, but I think especially in the skirmish uh, maps where you, you really, I, I found myself very much um, rather than spreading myself very thin. Like I, I feel like those maps really encouraged me to commit to a particular approach. And then, like you say, kind of shifting, um, figuring out how to adapt that to um, have it fit the front that was created in the, in the split of territory that kind of naturally emerges, which is, it's just interesting. And it, and it, it creates this like high drama for the final, um, well, ideally at the, uh, toward the, the last third of the match, I'd say. The, um, so there's, there's another campaign in this game, which is the North Africa campaign, which, uh, I've seen a lot of people have different takes on, and I'm curious what, what y'all make of it. So the, the gloss on it is it's called the North Africa operation and it is a Africa core campaign or, or the DAC uh, as, as it is called in, in uh, coming of heroes three, but 
the funny thing is it's uh so you were playing as you were playing as the DAC, you you're you the guy giving you the mission briefings is uh Erwin Rommel, and then the narration over the campaign, the cutscenes, is about uh a Jewish man from Benghazi getting letters from his family because uh, he's left them under German occupation to go fight with the British. And basically it's like him learning how the Holocaust is unfolding in North Africa in the backdrop of all this and also casting some shade at Rommel. Um, you know, as the narrator sort of implies, this guy seems like he's kind of reckless and maybe is a bit overrated, but uh, for some reason people are building him up. I don't fully know why, uh, but yeah, like what did you, what did you make of this approach to uh, like a German campaign? I think it hedges its bets unsuccessfully. Yeah. Uh, I think it's tried to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, it knows there's going to be increased sort of scrutiny and questioning about playing a narrative single player campaign as the Germans um, and tries to counterbalance that with a sort of, narrative thread running through it that fails completely at what it's intending to do. It makes the entire experience feel really jarring and, and off-putting. Um, I did not enjoy the North African campaign one bit. For, for reasons more than that, um, I, I came to it second after the Italian campaign and found like the whole terrain, pacing and everything a bit off um, after that, after the highs of the sort of amazing scripted missions that we've just been talking about. But yeah. I guess for me, after playing after playing the Italian campaign, it was a bit of a relief to just play the hits. I guess uh, with a just here's you know a mission. They finish that, you go on to the next one, and I kind of would have preferred to play the Italian campaign that way. But I agree. Yeah, I, I guess I don't think that, I don't, ag- I don't think that the uh, it it just feels like two different things happening at the same time, which I guess it is. But I mean, like you just yeah, like why am I? jumping back in to take orders from Rommel after like, if I'm following, if this is the narrative that I'm following, then why would I want to, I don't know. I mean, I, I get, it's, I get that it's a world war two strategy game. So you have to let people play with German tanks. And I guess that's kind of what I assumed this was. It's not just that you're jumping back into control. The Germans is that you, so it's that it's this really jarring. Yeah. Tonal difference where yeah. cutscenes are so somber and then you jump into play the Germans and you're not just playing as the Germans, but you're playing as, Incredibly jaunty, jovial, right? Really, like Rommel's stoked about whatever's happening, and yeah, yeah and every, everybody you click on is like just absolutely having the time of their life, like making little jokes about right. the because you're just wrecking they, house. Like every mission yeah, you, is, and I think this is why the, the other reason the campaign didn't work for me. The missions are easy. Like it, like I wish it had been dense with missions that were on like the the level of what you find in the Italian campaign, but they just aren't. It's like tutorial grade, but it's not a tutorial fully yeah uh like only the uh ll main scenario was kind of interesting and it's funny there because like ll main obviously is where uh the wheels come off the wagon for the africa core and they just have no idea how to like create a mission where like you can do your job well but you lose and right. uh, which i feel like this is something that like that template exists. Like Blizzard has made a bunch of missions like that, where it's like, okay, it's time for reversals. Your side is losing. We're going to give you some like mission structures that feel that way. Instead, what you've got is 
Uh, it's LLMain, and you know what that means, boys. It's time for the Africa Corps to win big. And then they sort of hedge at the end where it's like, obviously, now there's a second phase of the battle. We'll see how that goes. And then you get the narration and, uh, you know, Rommel is defeated. But, yeah, the the, the missions aren't great. Uh, and then, yes, the tone it does feel it does feel very defensive um it reminded me a bit of you remember in metal gear solid 4 when you kill the the women in the robot suits and every time you kill a woman in a robot suit the arms dealer gives you her sad backstory uh <laughs> where it's like she was mistreated as an orphan and she adopted the robot suit because the pmc's left her no other choice and it's like well now i feel shitty about that thing like yeah. Why are you telling me this now? And that sounds like maybe it's a way I'm trivializing the story they're telling, but the thing is the story kind of trivializes itself because what it is, the thing I, the thing I like respect that it is doing is it is providing a context that's often completely forgotten in like the myth of the campaign in North Africa. Like that is a, that is a war that is presented uh, as a, ch- a gentlemanly chess match uh, with tanks between Rommel and whoever he was fighting at the time, uh, you know, eventually Montgomery. But it is it is mythologized as the cleanest corner of World War Two, where none of the morally compromised stuff happens. And that's just that that is just not true. And the campaign's trying to bring that across. But the problem is an RTS campaign like. There is no faction. There's a little bit that's going on in Italy. There is no faction that's like people stuck in the middle of a war. Like that's not an RTS faction. It really can't be. Like RTSs yeah. are about tanks and like troops and and battles and stuff. And so it becomes tough to bring in that context. I think there's ways, you know, maybe there's ways to solve it, but this approach where it is we're just going to have a narration uh, about a character that you don't that's completely out of context from the missions you're doing and a character you haven't met, uh, you know, telling you what's going on in North Africa at this time ends up feeling a little bit more like, please, <laughs> please don't yell at us for doing a German campaign. Uh, it, it feels like my, my German campaign with Jewish narration t-shirt has people asking a lot of questions already answered by my shirt. <laughs> Right. It's just at a concept, just at a fundamental level, the whole thing falls down. Um, It's like you don't even know where to start with with what's, yeah. Like like you said, it's it's not just, but it's not just that packaging and tone that's off about it either. Like I actually found some of the objectives in that campaign really interesting. Um, There's one where the, the British arm is escaping from a previous battle and you've, there's sort of these designated escape routes and you have to send engineers in and lay mines along them and yeah and then defend from counterattacks and it sounds like a really interesting um objective and then it happens and you spend like all this time laying 50 binds and setting up all these anti-tank guns and then it happens and it's like five vehicles <laughs> and then it's finished right, and, yeah. it, and that, that goes back to what you said about how it feels almost like a tutorial it's like the the, the outline of a, of a more interesting campaign is there, but just in almost every regard, it just yeah comes up short. Um, I, I I honestly don't know why it's in the game at all. To be honest, like I, you know, I, I don't I, think I I don't think it needed it in terms of 
like replayability, longevity. Um, I think it would have been totally fine to have the Germans in there as skirmish factions without having to try and justify them with a narrative campaign. Like, it was just how the first game handles it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, they, and then when they do... Well, you mentioned that like there's a, you know, Blizzard has a template for the, the uh, beating a retreat, you know, doing your job well. And, and so does a company of yours. In fact, I, I uh, fired up uh, Arden Assault yeah. uh, just in the yep. process. Of, and the opening mission of that is getting overrun uh, for the first time as winter kind of take, takes hold in the forest. So, I mean, they could have done something that, that and that was narratively compelling. It was also really like a, a exciting mission to play. So they've, they've done that before. And I wish that, you know, maybe this could have, you know drawn from that a little bit more and but like you say it's it's much more of a uh, kind of tutorial and i don't know that like it's company of heroes that it, it's it's very much the saving private ryan um you know infantry squads moving around with with uh, armored support i don't think this is really a great game to do tank combat on its own uh in so um so you, you do you're, you're driving tanks around in the desert but it doesn't it doesn't uh like the, the Tanks really aren't the what this game is. They become really, interesting like in this about. game when the train is hostile to them. And it's like, how do I use yeah. a tank in a place where a tank ought not be? Right. Or there are those few places where it's like, if you can park a tank here with good fields of fire, now it's like a little fort. You know, you just park that yeah. tank on the front edge of a victory location. And meanwhile, like that's buying you time to like consolidate and all, like all that works. But you're right. Like, and this is a, um, Playing this game in particular, this is the most uh, Company of Heroes has felt to me like a close combat game in terms of just like its focus on infantry combat, the type of infantry combat you've got going. And yeah, the degree to which the action kind of loses some of its uh, luster if it becomes too armor heavy. And uh, which I think is, uh, you know, the, the campaign culminates in this uh, attack on this 40 K ass uh, German fortress. <laughs> and it is, you know, this is a case where the German counterattacks now are the, the hardest you will see in the game where, you know, previously you've seen maybe one, two tiger tanks, the entire campaign. And now there's like waves of tigers and panthers, uh, which you just have not seen in this game. Uh, but now they're here and they're rolling up on you and they are, like it's like it's like it's like a kaiju attack, right? It's like multiple kaiju yeah. are just coming out, and I, I I love how it looks. Like I love the fact that you'll watch your Sherman uh, your Sherman's fire, and you'll see the shells just bounce off the front of a tiger. Uh, and so you got to do the um, you know, every battle one of these things turns into the tank battle from Fury, where it's just like you got to race around that thing as quickly as possible and try to try to blind it with smoke. But that last mission is it is there's so much armor in, in parts of it there's like it's such a they clear the dance floor in places uh to just let big tanks fight it out and it's kind of cool but it also really showcases why the game is now structured this way and why that is a good thing yeah uh yeah i mean with uh w- with regard to faction like design, I've not played nearly enough of the skirmish and multiplayer. I need to put more time into it. I was realizing uh, today I was playing a bit more skirmish and I was realizing that in all this, I have no freaking clue how to control the Wehrmacht anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with the DAC real good at the Brits and the Americans, but I'm like the Wehrmacht, like what's, what's your deal? Cause it just sort of seems like 
you're expensive and it takes a while to get the to get things spun up uh for for the Vermox. so i'm realizing that i've i've got a long ways to go with that but i think something else that sort of jumped out at me is uh the way this has always been a series where companies gain experience over the course of a battle and you unlock new abilities and i think company of heroes one it was you pick what type of company you are and then it was a series of this or that choices uh this is like that to the nth degree uh, there is there there's choices constantly about how you are sort of building out your army over the course of a match. And I like the idea of it, but I definitely, the thing that has left me kind of in the lurch with is I almost feel like the various factions don't have a, a super strong identity in and of themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, cause you can take them in such different directions that I find it really hard. Maybe this is a good thing, but I find it really hard to reduce down to like one or two things. What an army is good at. Yeah. The lines, I, of, the lines were definitely blurred between the previously, they had very clearly delineated specialties. Um, like British were the artillery guys. <laughs> and that's, they still are to an extent. Like I, I, I probably pick the British over most other factions just because I like the mobile artillery. It sort of solves a lot of those cooldown problems we were talking about earlier with the bombardment stuff. But um, the fact that so many infantry units can now be equipped with such a wide variety of tools, um, like you can equip so many more units with anti-tank weaponry, with with automatic weapons. Um, it feels like you can take any faction and sort of push them close enough to what the job needs to do that you don't necessarily need to worry about individual factions anymore. Like you can shift, you can, you can twist what's there just by upgrading and, and picking sort of more similar kind of um, upgrades and unlocks than previously. Yeah. I find myself playing pretty much the same way, no matter who it is that I'm like, which faction. And, you know, granted this is only after a pretty limited, amount of you know uh, non-campaign skirmish matches and multiplayer but yeah I, I mean i'm pretty much gonna go all in like it, if i'm i'll usually pick you know airborne or uh, special forces or something and and just go heavy on uh infantry with upgrades and like i said before kind of cycle them in and out of the front line and then support with whatever vehicles i have it it doesn't I don't know. It, 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 I haven't found myself really pushed one way, like too far out of that box by any of the factions, really. You can do most of what you want to do with most factions. You don't yeah, need to sort of absolutely. specifically focus on one. Yeah. And that's I, like, I, and my suspicion is those differences are there. It's just going to take a while to appreciate like what sort of what the feel of playing to the various like strengths is going to be actually versus like when you're kind of uh, cutting against it a little bit. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it does seem like a really cool approach to letting these things be customizable and have a sort of a chance to reconceptualize uh your army and your tactics uh from from game to game uh you know obviously none of us here i don't think are 
particularly serious multiplayer gamers. Like I'm sure I'm sure like in a month or two, uh, we will discover that the community's found that like things are wildly oh, unbalanced. Yeah. Like I remember in the interview process where, you know, the, the devs on company of heroes three were explaining that like, well, you know, uh, the British faction was completely non-viable in uh company of heroes one. I was like, was it, but they had such big guns. I did so good with the British faction. It's just like, no, they didn't. They, they were unplayable uh, in any sort of like serious competitive multiplayer uh, setting. But fortunately me, I don't care about that. Uh, for me, it's a toy box. And that is that is how I tend to engage with these things. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a ways off from sort of fully unlocking the like, what are they going here, going for here uh, with the way you yeah, sort of like the build Indian up artillery the meta. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Indian artillery is the, the, the company I had the best, the best handle on. Uh, Cause it was just a, it was a whole lot of like, send out that heavy mortar, pop the flares up. Uh, God recon flares. Oh, so, so clutch in this game. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, that, that tends to be my, my go-to uh, game plan is just, you know, the, uh, the storm of steel approach of, uh, of, of, of artillery. But yeah, like, I don't know. I think I'm curious, you know, I read all your reviews, but I just want to go through the, the takeaways here on the show. Um, I'll be honest. My first draft of the review was more negative because like first impression, all I could see was like the signature feature, the dynamic campaign is bad. Like it just, it, it doesn't work. Uh, it's, broken in a lot of places and it, it, maybe it's broken in a way that feels like with some patching they can get it to a place where it kind of does feel like a total war campaign but the, like at first all i could see was the various ways it was broken and then over this weekend uh you know i wrote it i wrote the review on like thursday and then i had this with this weekend to sort of sit with it and over this weekend having sort of vented my spleen about it i had a weekend of like Man, this game's really good. I checked my playtime uh, today. I, like I'm like 45 hours into this game uh, since, since I got code, which is like a ridiculous amount of time uh, for me at this point to to spend on one game. And so like, I had a weekend where I was like, yeah, the dynamic campaign isn't it. But I don't know some of those missions and overall this game, like. It's really, really good. It's so much more fun than like Company of Heroes 2 was. Yeah, I, I think I had basically the same process of like just being completely put off by the Italian campaign and feeling pretty negative about the the game in general. But then after just a few more battles, uh, just going back and remembering what I liked about Company of Heroes to begin with and thinking about what this would have been like if I could just play a series of these like awesome, spectacular uh, missions. Uh, I, I Yeah, I really softened on it. And uh I, I still don't, I, I don't know that I, I don't think I actually want a fixed version of the Italian campaign. Cause I just think on a conceptual level, it's just, just, it doesn't really work with the format, but, um, but just playing through those missions, I, I did feel like uh, this is the game that I, this is why I was excited to play this game to begin with was because I like company of heroes and this is more of that. It just has this weird thing attached to it that I don't want or need. Yeah, mine was even more extreme. <laughs> I'd say my um, my early notes used the word dog shit heavily because um, my 
Dynamic campaign experience started with, we spoke about how stingy the population cap was earlier. My first unit that I built was a paratroop unit that spawned underwater in the middle of the Mediterranean. Um, (laughs) And and he's, he's there. You can see his flag like waving under the, underneath the ocean (laughs) and I couldn't move him, but then you can't disband or trash units that you've built. So I'd blown my early population cap thing on a guy who spent the rest of the game underwater. And then a few turns later, my next, my next build was a U.S. armored company who went up to a broken bridge, repaired the broken bridge, rolled onto the broken bridge, and then the bridge was destroyed again by the Germans. And for the rest of the campaign, I couldn't repair him because he was now stuck on a bridge that I couldn't repair because anytime oh I tried God. to repair it quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my early impressions were, you know, and that was before I'd played the big scripted mission, like a lot of the better scripted missions too. I was like, man, this game is bad. I'm so disappointed. And then same as you guys, as the campaign went on and I just found myself loving more and more of the, the main storyline missions. And then even, you know, I think what clicked for me is that stuff that I spoke about earlier about how I realized I was playing through all the skirmish missions. It's like this, I had to like self, self-realize. I was like, wait a minute. I really, really like this game. I wouldn't be playing all these skirmish missions endlessly if I didn't. And then, yeah, I, I checked and my, my playtime was something like 42 hours. I was like, I have not given 42 hours of my life to a game over the last couple of weeks or three weeks unless it was absolutely you know, amazing. And so, yeah, boringly, my sort of turnaround on this was the same as you guys. Just yeah, I mean... Coming of Heroes, the, the the bones are good. Uh, like I, I even liked uh, Company of Heroes too. Like not as much as as one, uh, and it took Guardians of Salt to really to really pull it back. But like this is so much better. Like I guess here's the here's the last thing I'd say. Um, over the past few years, like there've been a number of times where I've like I get in the mood to play a little Company of Heroes and. Even though it's kind of awkwardly supported now in in Windows, like if you go back to Company of Heroes One, it's kind of weird how the campaign flipped. Like it, it no longer feels like it fits together. It feels like a game that's like working behind some kind of weird launcher. Uh, but like Company of Heroes One was still like that was the only place to get like the real Company of Heroes experience. Like in, in like that's just how it felt. And Company of Heroes Two was like kind of a a, a weird off brand thing. Uh, I thought it was cute. The idea of like, we're going to do a frostbunk thing where there's going to be like storm fronts coming through and like, it's like, uh Oh, run to your roasty toasty, uh, campfire to, to wait out the snow, uh, just like they did on the Eastern front. But this is in so much, this is so much better a game than company of heroes two, And honestly, like in terms of like, the maps, the things that I'm excited to go back and play around with. Like this is, this has stuff that company of heroes one just does not. And I love it. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a classic series for a reason. You know, the, these, these bones are good. And despite the fact, like they are so good that despite the fact that like the major selling point on this game kind of fizzles, mm feels like we all all of us came away like after we got over a disappointment kind of acknowledging that game's still really good though yeah good game. Good 
<laughs> I will absolutely be tossing more grenades into Italian hotels. Uh, even now that the reviews filed and published. Yeah, I, uh, let's see. I think, I think John did at least want it on record. He felt it was, uh, absurd that they would be charging $60 for, for this game. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's real good. Uh, but yes, it, it does feel, uh, unfinished in some ways. I, I, I think I will, I will part ways with you here. Like I actually do want to see the better version of this campaign work. I want to see if this can be salvaged. Um, maybe it can't be, you know, maybe this is just not set up to, to work that way, but I'd be, I'd be curious to see what a more like truly dynamic in the sense of there's actual dynamism. I'd be curious to see how that unfolds. Um, but as it is, I still think it's a, it's, it's, there's a lot of fun, uh, amidst the jank. Well, that will do it for this week. This episode was produced by Liana Hafer. Uh, Threes Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. You can read Luke's review over at Kotaku. You can read Ian's over at PC Games N, And you can, of course, read mine at Waypoint uh, on Vice. Uh, let's see. Three was ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon this uh, this month. I think Troy and I are going to be doing oceans are now battlefields, and it's time for us to recognize and respect that fact. Uh, so that's that's what we are going to be doing uh, this month. This month on the show, check it all out at patreoncom slash 3 ma We'll be back soon with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, uh, for Ian, for Luke, this is Rob Zachney saying good night.